Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album, and then some every other week. I am Josh. And I'm Christy, and we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are starting our journey into emancipation. Break the chains. Break the chains. That's right. But before we get to that, I have a bit of housekeeping. Oh, people love it when we have a preamble, (laughs) so go ahead. That's right. So... We took more of a break than we anticipated over the summer because of reasons. So we're not really going to take a break over Christmas time, but we are going to do a little something different than we have done in a long time. We have done this before, but uh, it's been a minute since we did it. So we're going to interrupt our emancipation coverage to give us a episode that is both easy and fun. (laughs) We haven't even started Emancipation yet. We're already talking about an interruption. I'm sure we'll be talking about it until the spring of 2023, so why not break it up even further? That's right. So we're going to do a one-second challenge. What? Yes. We haven't done one of these in a long time, but uh, I had a listener request ask, hey, y'all haven't done one of these in a while. Would you like to do one? And I'm like, that would be a perfect holiday preparation episode because it requires <gasps> holiday preparation we could call it preparation eight <laughs> <laughs> except i think it's actually going to come out after the holidays yeah. but i'm going to be working on it over the holidays sure so it'll be really fun but i need your help dear listener send in suggestions song suggestions that you would like to hear josh try and guess the song from a single snippet, a one-second snippet. Released, unreleased, B-side, related artist. I think it's all in play, right? I think so. In the past, we've only done released songs, but if Meh. there's unreleased songs, we'll entertain it as long as I can grab a copy of it somewhere. So whatever you'd like, we're covered, uncovered on this show that yeah, it's all up for grabs, and uh, I'll get it all put together. But do send us an email at tmats t m a t s podcast at gmail dot com, or a direct message on Facebook, the Mountains and the Sea of Prince podcast, or on Twitter, assuming it still exists, at tmats t m a t s podcast. I can't wait to be made to look real smart or extremely dumb. Uh, well, you they know, both happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's very fun. Either way, you is, always but, know, you know some of them. I'm the person who missed a trivial pursuit question, which answer was the sun. <laughs> so anything's possible. Anything is possible. <laughs> oh, Josh was deep in frustration at that point. So I was, yeah. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> So, one second challenge request, send them in, and now we can talk about Emancipation. Yoo-hoo! Released November 19th, 1996, just four months after Chaos and Disorder. Also, the 19th full-length studio album. I wonder if Prince realized that, that uh, since he's so into numbers, was so into numbers, that's his 19th album released on November 19th in the year of our Lord 1996. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a lot of 19. That is a lot of 19. It's also 18 and over. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, we're not talking about that song today, so it's all right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it reached number 11 on the Billboard 200, number six on the Billboard R&B Albums chart. It went double platinum in early February 1997. Not too shabby. Well, it was also one of those things where every sale counted as three because it was three discs. Exactly. So Michael Bland evidently said that Prince liked the idea of a three album set because he learned that Michael Jackson's history double album, each disc counted as an album sold. Yeah. So he heard that and was like, Ooh, what if I do three work the system? I'll work the system. And it was very important to him that it do well. This being his first album he's put out since the split from Warner Brothers, it was very important to him that this be very successful. Yes, or at least perceived to be that way. Right, exactly. Uh, The songs were recorded mostly between January of 1995 and October of 1996. Yeah, leading right up to the last minute. like, talk about down to the wire. But that was a fun fall of 1996 at... Paisley Park and EMI to get yeah. artwork together and press discs and have 666,000 of them ready to ship. Mm-hmm. Speaking of terrible luck, so we've, or maybe terrible choices. So we've talked about Raven to the Joy Fantastic. We did talk about that. <laughs> which was hampered by the demise of Arista Records. Yep. And during the promotional run of Emancipation, EMI filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a poor choice that he made into who he was partnering with or if he just had some bad luck here in the late 90s. I mean, it all ended up working out okay. But Yeah, and obviously we're not experts on the business side of the music industry, but one wonders, I mean, this EMI was a distributor essentially. Mm -hmm. So some of the promotion was also on Prince's shoulders and he did continue to tour. Yes. So maybe, uh, you know, the lack of singles he had said at one time, there was like a three year plan to release singles from this album, which always sounded a little far fetched and a little, tough for someone who's quickly ready to move on to the next thing such as Prince. Yeah. And that ended up being the case. Yeah. Each CD is 12 tracks. What is a CD, Christy? A certificate of deposit? (laughs) Yep, that's exactly it. Each compact disc Yeah. Each compact disc is 12 tracks and exactly 60 minutes in length. Mm -hmm. Prince told Rolling Stone in October of 1996 that this specific format was based on studies, I quote, of the Egyptians, the building of the pyramids, and how the pyramids were related to constellations. They were a message from the Egyptians about how civilization really started. And we never really learn more about that. You would think if it's something that Prince studied, that it would be findable or part of something somewhere. But I have yet to find... What exactly did it teach us about how civilization really started? I I don't know, but I did find some information that I'll share on our social media about how the pyramids were related to constellations. Okay, cool. 
So that's kind of interesting. I always thought, okay, 60, 60, 60 minutes. That's Uh an isosceles triangle. Sure. Right? A perfect triangle. Mm -hmm. I know the pyramids weren't isosceles triangles, but they were triangular. Right. Yes. They had a square base, not a triangular base, but they're triangular in shape. Yeah, yeah. And very, very regular. Like there is a very small variation in the length of sides. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pretty yeah. incredible for, yeah. you know, people who didn't have computers or heavy equipment. Yeah. 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 Or CB radios even. <laughs> exactly. So the album artwork. Oh, yes. Let's talk a little bit about that. You know, Prince or his, was it some, maybe it was one someone with the estate had come out within the last couple of years and said, Prince's favorite color actually was not purple. It uh-huh. was orange. Oh. And if you take a look at Emancipation... That makes that sense. Makes, there's a lot of orange yes. in this. Yes, it does. We get the love symbol on the front with a storm clearing sort of situation. Or sunrise. Sunrise, storm clearing. There's some lightning in a lot of places here. So it's like he's at the end of the storm, maybe. Yeah. And he's breaking free of the chains that have Bound him for so long. Yeah. It's um, a little on the literal side (laughs) for me, the cover. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. I think the little uh, type styler, distorted emancipation type Mm -hmm. is very of the time. Yes. Also, in fact, all of this is very, it's all Steve Park artwork. He's Mm -hmm. an incredible artist and all of this was very much advanced in 1996. It was a lot of... uh, Photoshop work. Yes. What a little Photoshop new. hell. Yeah. <laughs> so if you've ever opened Photoshop, you know you can thank Thomas Knoll for the book here. Okay. If you're a Photoshop user, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So behind the first disc, all the discs are done the same way. Half black, half this stormy, lightning-filled sky that's orange and yellow. Yep. And a love symbol. Behind disc one is a world with a hand on it. This looks like God's about to, you know, shoot us through a basketball hoop. Yes. Then on the tray liner you're talking yes. about here. Uh-huh. And then behind the third disc is a, what looks to be a sonogram, sonogram picture yeah. of a baby. And then the, it's a black tray behind the second disc, but then we have the booklet. That kind of nestles behind the second one. Um, I think it kind of shows the booklet a transformation. So the front of the booklet shows him with slave on his face and in chains. Yeah. Very literal. But an early love symbol shaved into the side of his head. Yeah. uh, Sort of like he's trapped, but he's considering his way out. Uh, Obviously, family is really important to him. There's pictures of his... Parents yeah. and my taste belly and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little around the world in a day ish mountains in the background. It is, but with music on my taste pregnant belly. Yeah, kind of near the middle, not exactly the middle, but nearish the middle. We get a picture of him um, standing tall and free, but uh, clad in dark colors. Yep. With a small dot on his forehead, Mm -hmm. which is usually a reference to Indian culture and religion, and it's called a bindi or a tilak, Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it typically represents the center of thought and the mystical third eye. Oh, I didn't know the third eye thing. I yes. knew it was about intelligence and thinking. It's and thinking and intelligence. But... So I feel like this is maybe a mm. beginning of some of the thoughts that he would have much later in his life where he was the third eye girl and very interested in this sort of mysticism. Again, he was interested obviously in it here. Then he, you know, pulled back to the whole Jehovah's witness thing a lot. Mm -hmm. And then maybe a little bit closer to the end of his life and career. um, He had a little more of an interest in these things that had interested him here in the early nineties. Yep. All part of a larger story. Right. And we also have a photoshopped photograph. Uh, it's got a lot of white things. Yes. So his lovely white, pristine Paisley Park, mm-hmm. a white, blurry grand piano, prints clad in a white shirt, a white BMW. Mm-hmm. A rebirth was, of, so, I, of sorts. I, I think so. Yeah. And then on the back cover, he's got a whole, he's clad in white with a, like a scarf, white scarf over his head. And it seems like the only thing that is holding him back now or constraining his behavior is himself. He's no longer chained, but he is holding his own wrist. Yes. It made me think of like the thing that all criminals do after the handcuffs come off of like rubbing your wrists. Yeah. Did that hurt? No, it's just just like, that's what people do. (laughs) They rub their wrists. So I don't know if that's it or if it's just a pose of strength and power. Yes. Self-empowerment or all the above. Not looking at the camera. He's not. He, it's, it's none of our business. That's right. He's got other Whether things on his mind. Whether it hurts or he's constraining himself, uh, none yep. of it, it's any of our business. No, it's not. So inside, there's some lyrics and a bit of commentary for each and every song on this expansive disc. Yeah, not all lyrics. There was a lyric book sold separately oh, that yes. we do have. Oh, Okay. I don't think I realized that. But yes, there is a thanks at the back, mm-hmm. which thanks a lot of people and, you know, encourages you to call 1-800-NEW-FUNK to order a book with photographs and all the lyrics. Guess who fell for it? Yeah. Well, or we might have bought it at the concert. Yeah, we I think saw. we probably did. Yeah. One of them. We saw two from Jim of the Year. So. Yes, we did. And he'd also like us to consider purchasing Karma Sutra. Exodus and Child of the Sun, and to be on the lookout for Crystal Ball. All of these things are indicated within this booklet. Yes, and then when he would tour, and he even released a live version of Jam of the Year where he would say, this is the promotion of nothing except love. (laughs) And then you get to the end of the booklet, and it's a total advertisement. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Okay. You know, after all these years, one thing that I'm a little disappointed in is that the it no longer smells the way it did when it was new. This was a big thing when this album came out and you opened the shrink wrap. It's in like a four-disc jewel case. Uh And it had this sweet, almost perfume-type smell to it, and a lot of people seemed to think they were scented. Uh And it turned out to be, no, it was the smell of the inks used to cover. The discs are very saturated in ink and color. Uh And... um, that was what the smell was from. But yeah. it definitely, like, I can still sense it and smell it. Uh huh. Right. Myself. Like, I can imagine that smell. Oh, yeah. It was so particular. Yep. 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 And we have two copies. So I haven't. 
Well, I didn't dig out the other copy to see if it still smells. One of them has probably not been opened quite as much. Right. That's fair. That's fair. Though my copy that you bought for me did spend a lot of time in my car once I had a... Once I had a CD player in my car, which was not for years after this came out. That is true. Christie's first car had an AM FM radio. The end. No cassette player. Nope. No CD player. Nope. And eventually the FM quit working. Quit working altogether. So all she could listen to was AM radio, despite me trying to get it replaced. And Christie was like, oh, no, no, it's fine. Yeah, I made I made do. I like played songs in my head or found yeah. a not too objectionable yep. AM radio station to listen to because I knew we weren't keeping that car really all that much longer. So I did not want to spend hundreds of dollars putting in a new stereo for somebody else to enjoy it That's in my enough. Dodge Neon. That's right. Yeah. A little purple one. Yeah, it was so cute. It was such a pain in the butt but it was a cute car it was all right well now that we're you know 18 minutes in is that should, all <laughs> we should probably start talking about the music <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh yeah obviously a very important album and to prince's i don't know if it's to his credit or his demise that he built it up as the album he was born to make so it better be darn good, right? He's made some really great music. Yeah. Not even all that long before. This is only 11 years, 12 years removed from Purple Rain. Right. Crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's so far removed because he put out so much music. But it's like from now, 2022, looking back to 2012. That's, or 2010. Yeah. Not that long ago. No, not doesn't seem like that long ago to me. Yeah. But in in the scope of the world. Yeah. It does not seem that long ago. But it's a very different prince. In fact, he's not even prince anymore. That's right. And he kicks it off with Jam of the Year. That's right. According to the liner notes, it is to be mashed at extreme decibels. Oh, is it misspelled? Oh, well, that D E C I B A L L S. So I don't know if it's... Oh, it's probably on purpose. Uh, yeah, I would, I would think it was on purpose. Okay, I but thought that's... you found a, oh, no. a misprint. No, but it was decibels. Okay. Up-tempo joints, summer 97. So maybe there's even oh. our very first advertisement. <laughs> is Come see me touring. Yep, totally. Um, this is one that, according to Prince Vault, was probably recorded in late 95, early 96. Mm-hmm. The uh, the hint there is that Rosie Gaines appears on the song um, and that she recorded her parts of the tracks on Chaos and Disorder at the same time that she appeared on this, even though it's a radical departure from the sound we mm-hmm. had on Chaos and Disorder, uh, which was kind of grungy Prince, you might right. say. And here it's a very, very polished, produced sound. Yes. For sure. For better or worse. It does include a drum sample from You'll Like It Too by Funkadelic, but it's believed that Prince probably got it from a beat sample album called Beats Breaks Scratches Volume 1 by Simon Harris. I went and downloaded or added to my library Beats Breaks and Scratches, which sounds like a Dwight Schrute. <laughs> <laughs> sample album. Bears, beats, there is, bells, or galactica. Th- that's right. 
There's no song on the volume one called Funky Roll, at least the version that's on Apple Music. Oh. There is a song called You Got Soul on that volume that uses the same drum break. Okay. And I think that that's where it's from. So maybe there was a different version of this that came out in 1987, but the version on Apple Music that says released in 1987 has no song on it called You Got Soul. Oh, why? Well, I mean, I I'm sorry. It has no song on it called Funky Roll. Oh. It has a song called You Got Soul. Oh, what I read was You'll Like It Too by mm. Funkadelic. Right, but on the sampler by Simon Ham Harris, oh. it's called Funky Roll, which oh, is okay. like looped songs. Okay. It's got the beat from I understand. like a CNC Music Factory song that was super popular. You can listen to this thing and hear like, hey, that's, no, 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 whatever you're thinking, that's uh-huh. sampled it from right. this and made it a hit. Right. Yeah. That's fun. I did not realize, I thought it was only Eric Leeds on mm-hmm. horns here, but it's uh, Eric Leeds and also a gentleman named Walter Chancellor Jr. on saxophone, who I had never heard of. I swear I had no idea he appeared on the song. A little bit about him, he was from Des Moines, Iowa, and was tired of traveling and moved to Minneapolis oh. to become a studio session musician, met Prince, and... Worked on him, worked with him on this album, and also performed and recorded with Shaka Khan, Willie Nelson, Maceo Parker, Chance Howard, who's oh. also a Prince associate, Brown Mark, Larry Graham, oh, and Cameo, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I yeah. guess moving to Minneapolis was a good choice then. Yes, it was. Um, and for the past quarter century, according to his website, he's been teaching audio and video post-production for the Institute of Production and Recording, IPR, which is in downtown Minneapolis Aww. since 2002. So Good for another him. guy that's doing like cool work. We talked a little bit about T.C. Ellis and uh-huh. his um, work and kind of furthering music education. And here's yet another one. That's fantastic. His website says the program's designed to expose adults and children to jazz culture, technology, music history, and educates them about our great American art form, jazz, and other multimedia art endeavors and opportunities. Excellent. Very cool. So the song opens with the door opening, shimmering symbols, Uh and witnesses to the most important release by Prince in 1996. The song of the 12-month period. That's right. It would be the white man's version of the song. (laughs) (laughs) The enjoyable track from the last 12 months, jam of the year. Um, yeah, that uh, those shimmering symbols that you mentioned, I don't want to spoil this, but at the end of the last song on track or on disc three, Emancipation, uh-huh. the title track, at four minutes and eight seconds, it ends with the same exact sound. So there was some parallelism there. You see that in the booklet also, the digital mm-hmm. art on that first spread that has Maite's belly and Prince's face is actually mirrored. Right. Uh, a little bit like the When Doves Cry video mm-hmm. effects. So there's a kind of a continual loop here. Yes. Which is pretty cool. Unfortunately, at the time this came out, you could get a three-disc player and have oh. this whole album in there and just put it on loop for 
three hours straight. I think in 1996, you bought me a stereo with a three-disc player. I did. That we had until like five years ago. Yep. Yeah. Kate had it in his room. Yep. As a young teen. Yeah. And now he's like, <laughs> what the hell is this? Can we get rid of this thing? <laughs> yep. So we did. True. I thought the party noise, what you say are the witnesses to the uh-huh. opening yeah. track, is similar to what we hear between I Know and Alphabet Street on okay. Love Sexy, too. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, Prince is kind of creating this. People are gathering to see what this is. Um, we've got horns and bass and smoothly produced drums and a rhythm guitar through here that it is like you bop your head to it, but it's not like a crazy party jam. Right. It's not let's go crazy. Right? I think I remember this song more from the concerts we saw than from the album because listening to it, I'm like, I always remember the song is much faster Well, he did perform it that way. And he did perform it that way. And so I think in my head, I think of it as a fast song. Okay. But it's much more mellow. Uh Uh-huh. It is. It's a little unexpected, uh, you know, from the name, from it being Mm -hmm. track one. You do expect this explosion of an opening. And it's not that. That doesn't mean that I think that it's bad. No, no. But it is uh, mid-tempo jam i right. think you could say and there are parts of it you listen to it again and again and you pick out stuff that's like oh this is some pretty radical playing uh-huh. but on you know first listen i think it's very very smooth and it fits in with i remember prince saying during this time that you know you have to pace yourself you've got 180 minutes here to stretch yeah. out i'm not going to blow it out of the water on track one we're going to have a you know it's a clear uh, sequence of songs and right. this kicks it off to the point where you don't get burned out, I guess, after mm-hmm. song number one. Now you might get burned out by the middle of disc two, <laughs> but that's for another podcast, Christy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he goes to great length to describe what you're hearing, right? It's not, he doesn't assume that you'll understand okay. that this is the jam of the year. He specifically says <laughs> It's the joint his he's been laying for all night, uh-huh. the one that really gets him gone. So he's been chilling in the cut, so to speak, waiting for this one to come on. This is the one. This is the joint I've been laying for all night. This is the one that really gets me gone. And I had also forgotten the extended breaths he takes purposely before each and every line. There's... You know, this inhaling that happens that is not muted. Mm-hmm. It's purposefully on mic. Right. The new Puerto Rican score, that's Maite, right? I mean. I don't, I, I guess. Uh-huh. I don't know. Well, I think I did more research than I had in 20 years trying to figure out what a groove rubber baby hot is. The new Puerto Rican score. She doing it. And it's almost like, well, it's the same thing from Glam Slam, Glam Slam when he says heavy feather, flick a nipple, uh-huh. baby scram, water ripple. Yeah, it's just fun. It's words and syllables that fit in and sound good. So before he gets to the chorus, which is the Puerto Rican score, mm-hmm. about around a minute and five seconds, there's some spacey sound effects. Oh, 
sound very similar to what you hear on Jamiroquois A Funk Odyssey, mm-hmm. which I know is one of your favorite <laughs> yeah. non-Prince or just other al- other artist albums. Yeah. It made me think of that a lot, and it, a, a lot, and it is we've heard these sound effects in other Prince songs mm-hmm. too, for sure. Yeah, we hear it again. Uh, it's kind of isolated a little more. Fifty seconds later, mm-hmm. forty-five seconds later, um, and it's subtle and strange, and primarily in the left channel, okay. which I thought was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, as long as it doesn't... Computery sounds. Yeah, yes. Computery. Computery. Yep. Uh, Rosie makes her first appearance at a minute and 13 seconds in the first chorus. Yes, her vocalizations are very enjoyable. They're perfect. I mean, it's what we've missed since, like, the Get Off Maxi single in Mm -hmm. 1992. Mm -hmm. I mean, I realize she appears on... Chaos and Disorder, but it's a more of a feature here because it's such a smoothly produced sound, not this grungy sound where all the vocalists almost get buried a little bit on Chaos and Disorder. She's certainly more featured here. Yeah, for sure. A little on the nose with Gimme a Drummer and a funky bass line, and he's got drums and kind of an unusual sounding bass line here. A little on the nose, but still really fun. Oh, it's fun. And I think um, behind those very lines, there's this plunky, funky rhythm guitar that's Mm -hmm. kind of high-pitched Yeah, that you can easily overlook. We've talked about this before. What do you call it? You overlook something, but what happens when you've heard it all your life and you haven't really paid attention? You don't. It's not overhearing. Because <laughs> that's when you like actually do pay attention. <laughs> that's right. English is screwed up. Yeah. Prince ditches. That's. A, I think that's the other thing that makes this a little surprising and s- more of a more down tempo than you'd expect. Is all of these lines that Prince is delivering is in a falsetto. Uh huh. Yeah. Until they're not, he breaks with it at right. thirty-eight. Exactly. He yeah. ditches it for. Well, he's been chilling in the cup. So he says, let's make a toast to the host with the most. I'm like, wait, that's Prince, right? He wants them to toast him? I think so. Or us to toast him? Yes, and he's also not naming him who the host is because he doesn't have a name. Let's make a toast to the host with the most. So I think it is kind of fun, Uh self-referential. Cheers to me. I'm going to lead the party and keep it going. Yeah. And also ditches the uh, falsetto for this almost kind of spoken line stuff too. Right before that, I also wanted to point out at two minutes and 20 seconds, there's a lot of Prince breathing the bass that uh-huh. he says earlier is give me a drummer and a funky bass line. But here at two minutes and 20 seconds, we get a lot of the uh-huh. and it's him kind of breathing the bass. <laughs> He's a friend to all economic classes. All the girls say ho if your man's given up the goal. Okay. All the girls say ho if your man's given up the goal. All the fellas say ho. So 
rich dudes get dates, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. But poor dudes can get the ladies too, but they have to have something else to share. All the fellas say woof if you're only giving up the bone. All the fellas say woof if you're only giving up the bone. Now we're going to hide it. And then he says... And now we're going to hide it? Tonight we're going to hide it. Oh, tonight we're going to hide it. Tonight we're going to hide it. Uh-huh, which is a reference yeah. to a song that would come on Crystal Ball. And I looked it up. The Yes, that song was already written and recorded yep. by the time he wrote and record this, recorded this song. So, yeah. yeah, it's some fun, I don't know, Prince timelines intertwining uh-huh, here. Right. It's a, it's a song that we wouldn't get for a couple yeah. more years. Yep. It's referred to here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite quite fun. I love that. I love yep. when songs that haven't even made it into our ears yet are already being referred to. Uh-huh. And we don't even know it. Right. That's the other thing. Like, nobody knew there was a song called Hide the Bone. Right. Here, well, few people did because they were there to record it. <laughs> yeah. Get a repeat of verse one pretty quickly here with mm-hmm. the... This is the joint I've been laying for all night after the two verses and the kind of spoken... Raise your glass. Yep. There's really enjoyable vamping by both Prince and Rosie Gaines mm-hmm. here. Um, there's some busy instrumental with piano. It feels a little padded, but not in a way that's super obvious or irritating. Okay. So I think we're probably going to later on find some songs that are over long and in ways that are not helpful to the song because Prince had this very specific vision for the length and the number of tracks. Yeah, he's trying to hit a number. Yes. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But, I mean, jam of the year, it should be longer than four minutes. Right. right? So, yeah, yeah, we're just over six minutes. Yep. There's some uh, record scratching in the left channel at three minutes and 53 seconds that I hadn't really honed in on. In the past, um, but kind of studying it for the podcast in headphones, it stood out to me. And it's all just kind of vamping and let's jam, everybody's here, say what. Mm-hmm. All the stuff's going on behind it that seems very improv. We do get a muted guitar solo at four minutes and 55 seconds that rises from a low to a high note there. <laughs> Interesting, but again, it's not a let's go crazy kind of throwdown. Right. Um, and some Minneapolis sound synths and piano at the five minutes and 16 second mark. So Prince is, you know, stretching a little bit here, but, you know, like you said, you can afford to stretch out your legs a little bit. On an album that's this, that's this long, but this is the opening track, so you expect it to be a little a little fun, which uh-huh. it is. That's right. And we get a great Rosie Gaines ending at six minutes and five seconds, which is like probably very much sampled, and you hear it all over the place with her delivery of Jam of the Year. Everybody's here. Everybody's here. This is the Jam of the Year. This is the Jam of the Year. 
very enjoyable. I expect the first song to be a little long, a little Mm -hmm. self-indulgent in some ways, but not in ways that make it frustrating, I don't think. Well, you got what you expected then. Yes. Track two. Yeah, right back here in my arms, the B-side to Betcha by Golly Wow. It was planned as its own single at one point. That's right. But that got abandoned. Uh, there were a lot of like single talks among the first four or five songs yeah. on this album. Yeah. Uh, Jam of the Year was also planned for a single and also turned into another song. Right. Which we hear on New Power Soul called Push It Up. Yeah. That kind of uh, was birthed through the remixes that never came out. No one's uh-huh. ever heard. Right. Unfortunately. The liner notes say first joint written and recorded for this album and she knows why no chorus intentional where's my hug it premiered on minneapolis radio station kmol in november of 1995 right um but Prinsfeld also said it's copyrighted at the library of congress on august 25th 1995 okay. so was done a couple months before that also yeah we talked a little bit about uh 99's poems Mm -hmm. in the past yeah and they appear here with a sample of that's my only mission which is very cool that's from three shots yeah yeah they're delightful those songs i need to listen to those again they're so much fun He's missing his special someone in the first verse. He does not want letters or phone calls. Oh, yeah. He just wants her back. Right. And the kind of smooth R&B sound from Jam of the Year continues here. Like, I feel like these flow pretty well right. into one another. And this has this is one of the bassiest Prince songs that I can think of uh-huh. on a record. Yeah. On an album That's fair. from him. I think yeah. that it's a unique kind of mix because a lot of, I don't know if it was just the the mixing style of the times, but you didn't hear a lot of, of the bass and print songs. But here you do. I also wanted to point out as he starts singing, not to write him any letters or call his farm, his vocals are... Call his farm? Call his farm? That's what you said. Don't want you to write me no letters. Don't want you calling my farm. <laughs> Is that what he says, really? Those are the lyrics. Oh! <laughs> Don't want you to write me no letters. Don't want you calling my farm. <laughs> what do you think? I don't first know. I thought it was phone. Is, I don't know. <laughs> don't want you calling, calling my, my phone. phone. I'm pretty sure it's don't want you calling my farms. We could come back and rhyme with that later with arms. Oh, okay. And harm and charm. Okay. Farm. Yeah. Okay. I just got laughed off the mic for no reason <laughs> <Sorry>. whatsoever. <laughs> Sorry. I did not remember there being any sort of agricultural references. He but could, Oh, yeah. He's, um, <laughs> he's tilling the soil and... That's right. Yeah. He's he's growing his charms in a field. Yep. Which she he's certain she is missing. Yeah. 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 His vocals are affected throughout this entire thing. We talked about yeah. flange 
yeah. and flanging on past episodes. And uh, flanging is like the sweeping jet plane kind of sound that we've covered. Can't even remember what we covered it on before, uh, but it's used from start to finish. On yeah, song. it's so interesting because it gives it this mechanical sort of sound mm-hmm. for a song that's so very personal. That's what I think is very cool. It is very like human need and want, but he sounds a little robotic. Robotic. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a yeah. little like automatic. Uh huh. Yeah. You are right. I agree. So yes, he's you know, pouring his heart out for he needs her right back here in his arms. And you said in the booklet, where's my hug? Uh-huh. So he wants her in his arms for the hug. That's right. Uh, there's some great vocalizing from two minutes and 27 seconds to two minutes and 38 seconds. before that she's she's not gone because she's got a job or something else that's pulling her away she's away because she's got a lot on her mind and he's giving her a little space yeah but then he's telling her i'm tired of giving you space please come back <laughs> So very Prince to like be the most giving and meet your needs, but it's got to also all be about me, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so this is a good example of that, but in a charming way. Sure. Um, speaking of charming and harming and farming, <laughs> we get a good Prince rap. Yeah, it's, I call it light rapping. Yeah. It's, it's a little light it's rapping. It's the kind of rap that I would say Prince was great at. Yeah. Like fast spoken word, he wasn't trying to, you know, drop down some rhymes. It was just a almost natural delivery. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, she, he's fantasizing about the dirty deeds that they do together. That there ought to be a law against the hoochie who, the hoochie who, <laughs> um, and that makes makes him wish for her to be right there in his arms, in his arms, on his farm. Uh, yes, not calling him on the phone. There's a long fade, There's which a feels a little padded. As the, but as that outro starts at about four minutes and three seconds, there is a great little Prince scream in there that I thought mm-hmm. Christy Norman will appreciate this. But yes, at the the long fade, he does say something at four minutes and eighteen seconds, like oh. "I'll try to write you back." It's very like. Mr. Marbles talking at the end. Uh, some of the lyric sites I found have it listed as I'll try to write or I'll try to write you back okay. right back here in my arms. But check that out. Crank the volume as that song ends. Uh-huh. 
excellent. Song three, Somebody's Somebody. The second promotional single, which means it was released to some markets, but never for purchase. Yeah. A sample appeared on the NPG Record Sampler Experience that was handed out to select audience members at the Ultimate Live Experience Tour in 1995. The liner notes indicate addictions are many. Gigolos get lonely too. Can you cook? Gigolos get lonely too? A track by the time. Yes. Um, I think that sample that you talked about that was handed out did not contain Prince vocals, though. The music was the same, but that was Derek Hughes, who's a friend of Levi Caesar Jr.'s, was uh, featured in that sampler cassette. Okay. Prince wrote the music, but uh, Brenda Lee Eggard and Hillard Wilson wrote the lyrics. They had given it to Mavis Staples, presumably while she worked on The Voice. And Prince read the lyrics, wanted to write the music. An instrumental of the music was used on, in a 1-800-NEW-FUNK advertisement called On Sale Now. Yeah. So. Don't recall that. I do remember calling that number just to sit on hold and listen to what they were playing. Uh-huh. It was an 800 number, of course. So, hey, free. To us, Yes. Yeah, back when it actually cost money to make long-distance phone calls. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It mattered where you were calling. Right. How far away it was. Right. What mattered. Normally, we think of the thunderstorm as the outro to Prince songs and Prince concerts, especially. Uh But here we have a thunderstorm intro. That's right. It is reflective of Prince's tears. It might be purple rain even falling from the... He saves that for later in the album. But another very, very soulful R&B song. I did really like the sound of the first three songs in this album when I first heard them together in Mm -hmm. sequence. That sounded unique to anything we had heard before. And his style had changed a lot from Diamonds and Pearls, Love Symbol, Gold Experience, Chaos and Disorder. And now this, there had been a lot of... New things to hear right. in his studio recording. So, And like you said, as a promotional single, this song kind of helps front load the album a lot with, I don't know if that was on purpose, so that when you buy a 36-song set, you're hit at the beginning with songs you've heard before, so it's easy to get into. I don't know if that was part of the thinking of why include them right. as promo singles. Boy, he dearly wants to be in a committed relationship and to feel like a sense of belonging that makes him want to make sure that his partner is satisfied. This is a long sort of running theme Uh with Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a long dedication to how am I going to make love to women with my thoughts and words Mm -hmm. and entice them. Yes. This kind of fills that. He has gotten... I'm going to go ahead and give an award right now to Prince for uh, getting the most use out of a sample he must have paid for, which is the clock ticking sound, which first appeared in The Most Beautiful Girl in the World and also appears at the very beginning of this song. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. It's 2 o'clock in the morning And I just can't sleep I, I will say... 
Uh, I think I've read that Prince sung a lot, uh, like his singing style came across many times as very nasally, like out of his nose. Yeah. And I think the entire chorus is delivered sort of that way. You're going to sing out your whole face. <laughs> As my friend Jackie would say, she's like, use your whole face to sing. Yep. Yeah. Well, she can do that. Nobody wants to hear no, me no, doing that. Me either. So I'm not going to. However, Prince sang out of his whole face That's and did right. some great background vocal layering, layering on uh, verse two with the Spiggle World Can Be So Empty. He does background vocal layering on Living in It All Alone. Living in it all alone. And A Pretty House. A pretty house. And How the Fire Burns. How the fire burns. And Get Good Love in Return. He Get good love in return. punches those himself. Yeah. He's got this. Yep. And I do love the I realize in its best disguise, a pretty house don't make a home. Like it's home's a feeling. Yep. Not a place, really. That's right. I realize in its best disguise, a pretty house don't make a home. And it doesn't have to be nice looking to be home. Right. So yeah, it was good. Certainly good lyric writing. Um, mm-hmm. No credit there to Prince. Yeah, well. And then there's a, an unusual delivery. There's a hunger oh, yeah. inside of me. How the fire fire burns, and he gives the fire is real growly. And there's a hunger deep inside of me. How the fire burns. I wanna give. It's such an interesting delivery. It is. It's very. Uh, it's like an R and B, like a classic sounding R and B delivery from sure. Prince. Very 1990s R&B sounding, especially with him speaking about somebody to hold me at that hour of midnight. Console me when things ain't going too right. Mm-hmm. Bring me dinner sometime. And he sings, mine, oh mine. Someone to hold me at that hour of midnight. Someone to console me when things ain't going too right. Someone to bring me dinner sometime. Very pretty musical interlude with Prince vocalizations over top of it, which is quite enjoyable. Again, a very R&B sort of flavor here. Yeah. Three minutes into the song, somehow in this twisted reality of music, uh-huh. a full five minutes has really passed since the first first verse because now it's two oh five in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's two oh five in the morning. I got no one to call. I'm it must be difficult for him to be alone at 205, which makes sense that he often didn't take the stage until two o'clock in the morning because oh, yeah. rather than be alone, he'd rather be on stage. Yes. Not known for sleeping. No. Was that Prince? No, not at two. 
Yeah, no, not, not then. The two in the morning, maybe two in the afternoon. Probably so, probably so. There are some great guitars behind the final line of that verse. I need to feel someone beside me. I cannot be alone no more, no more. There's some great rising guitars behind it. Maybe tonight I'll be different, but the night's before. Maybe not. There's this little clap in the middle of a repeated chorus at three minutes and 40 seconds that mm. feels so like oh, organic yes. and I know what you're saying. Yes. Delightful. Like it was just into it. And he did this yep. little clap and left it in. And yeah. I love it. Probably backed off the mic to clap and kept on singing. Mm-hmm. There's a real deep and long delivery of deep and long uh-huh. at three minutes and 52 seconds also. That's worth a revisit. I also think there's some, I mean, this album is not known for its guitar work, of course, just because of the style of production, but the end of this song... There's a lot of great electric guitars um, that, yes. that's easy to overlook as the song comes to an end. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it ends with this little bell, like the finger castanets. Uh-huh. Kind of reminded me a little bit of the Love Simple album. Oh, okay. There was a lot of that sort of flair to it. This Middle Eastern makes Mm -hmm. sense that he would be interested in Egyptian mythology and things that he would include that kind of finger castanet is very indicative of that sort of area. Yeah. Almost too literal, perhaps, but again, okay. Yeah. I got some money because I just got paid. It's time to get our groove on. That's right. The liner notes for Get Your Groove On for the drop tops brightens the darkest days, D-A-Z-E. Little shorty, what your name is? Your name is mm-hmm. uh, Return of Eric Leeds and the first appearance of Rhonda Smith and Kat Dyson. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Hayes yep. has some additional vocals. Yeah. A and speaking role, you might say. Mm-hmm. Kat Dyson is quoted in a Diffuser article as saying, we laughed the whole time. There was a lot of joy. You can hear that in the song. That's one of my first notes is with the vocal intro, it's very joyous music and sparkly keyboards and how the party is back on after the last two songs kind of become a little longing. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So it's fun. His lover is his best friend. In the park around half past nine, meet me and we'll have a real good time. And I'm like, ooh, park does a lot of work here because it could be just like, hey, after you get off work, at nine o'clock, meet me in the local park because it's free. Or, you know, Paisley Park. Right. 
because the party isn't getting started before 9.30. Oh, no. They haven't even, like, cleaned the toilets at 9.30. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's, uh, especially the chorus, very, very simple, kind of like 60s and 70s soul music. Mm -hmm. Not a super literal song because it's just very... It's just very plain spoken to begin with, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate in an era where Prince was a little overly literal with a lot of Mm -hmm. things, like couldn't let the song stand for itself, had to add the clock sound effects in there. (laughs) Yes. Again, we've heard this before. Prince is the only mind-altering substance we should need or he should need, Uh, only Peppermint tea to get his drink on. Oh, and honey. Don't oh, forget yeah. the honey, honey. Oh, okay. Yes, that's all he needs to get his drink on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically a cute way of saying he doesn't need alcohol, despite starring in a film that started out with him drinking and saying, the more I drink, the better I sound. Oh, right. Well, we all sound better when we're drunk to ourselves. Yeah. Um, he does a, there's a call out for D'Angelo. Yeah. Bring the player, I'll bring the CDs. But don't you put them in slow. Need D'Angelo's a mini PG. And we'll make a bet to see who keeps their clothes on. Some new D'Angelo, some MPG will make a bet to see who keeps their clothes on. Uh-huh. So I wanted to look up because D'Angelo is not known as a prolific oh, artist, no. right? No. So since this song was recorded, Get Your Groove On, there have been two D'Angelo albums. Uh, yes. The first one, Brown Sugar, came out around the time when this was recorded, yeah, 1995. 1995, right. And in a flurry of production and studio work. Five years later, Voodoo came out. And then 14 years passed before we get Black Messiah. It must be absolutely torture to be a D'Angelo fan I mean, sitting around. Wait, I mean, how many I mean, of them he just released out? about the same amount of songs in that whole span of about nearly 20 years yep. as we got on Emancipation. Yeah. Four months after another album. Yeah. Now, quantity... That's it's unequal true. to quality. I'm not a big D'Angelo follower, so I couldn't right. tell you the last time I listened to any of those albums to comment on quality or what's going on. Right. But certainly he has other interests that prevent him from releasing music on a sure. consistent level. Sure. Which is fine. And I, I, so I listened to a little bit of Brown Sugar, and I didn't find them to be generally super fast songs. They weren't slow, though. They were like a had a relatively even tempo throughout Mm. the whole album. It wasn't slow, but it wasn't particularly fast. All right. I remember listening to Black Messiah when it came out because it was this big deal, right? 14 years had passed, and I guess I got probably too wrapped up into how much time had passed into just listening to it. But That's fine. You don't have to be a fan. Uh, But Prince was enough of a fan of the first album that D'Angelo put out to... Give him a name check here. That's right. There's a nice bridge in a minute, 50 seconds. I always love, I'm like, I don't really know that much about music at all, like music structure, song writing and song structures, but you can tell a bridge when you hear it in a Prince song. Right. I'm usually working both night and day with no time for fun. (laughs) 
which I thought was interesting. I'm like, okay, so I know he worked a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know that you do anything, even when you love it, long enough and it becomes work. But he's also in the enviable position of being driven by his work and enjoying his work. So I was like, give me a little side eye, you know, no time for fun. I'm sorry. I think you worked all the time because it was fun. True. I kind of saw the bridge as something written for people to sing along to. Like he's writing a song for the people who work hard and need to let go. Uh Uh-huh. And of course he does that to a degree, working hard like you said. But this is, I think, more for the common man to sing along to. Is there a better... Princism than to answer the phone with speak <laughs> as these girls do when they call one another. Speak. Hey girl, let's hang tonight. All right. There are little horns at like 235 and 418. Yep. Boy, they sound like they're from a madhouse It's Eric Leeds. Well, I know, but they've got a very, like, Eric Leeds didn't always sound like everything oh. was from a Madhouse album. That had a very Madhouse sort of feel to it. Okay. I thought it sounded like a girls and boys saxophone, oh, okay. like a tenor sax kind of thing. But there's. More of that saxophone at 2 minutes and 45 seconds, followed by really nice, more muted, not electrical, distorted guitar sounds. Mm-hmm. And then we get to hear what it's like to get your groove on when you walk into a club with your friend and uh, yeah, say that it looks nice, but complain about the smoke. Yeah. <laughs> We did get a little bit of a rare real-time prince rejection. <laughs> What's your name, little? Come here. And the women go, ooh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I said a little something, but it's too much smoke in here. Oh. What's your name, Mill? Come here. I always think of you, Christy, at three minutes and 47 seconds with the little breakdown of getcha, getcha. Get your groove on, because uh-huh. anytime anybody says "get your whatever," uh-huh. <laughs> I think you sing this part back to them. So that you said you heard Madhouse in the horns. Well, mm-hmm. from like four minutes and two seconds to four minutes and eighteen seconds, there's an instrumental part there, and I always hear the song six from Madhouse there because Prince played it right over this part of the song. Also that, uh-huh. that part of it always like, I can't listen to the song without hearing it. And I love me some funny Prince. So I love the irate hick. Hell, I could buy every one of you. Was that Prince or is that Morris Hayes? That's who I thought it was. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was Prince putting on his voice. Sir, I'm sorry. This club is a very strict dress code. You do not accept blue jeans. What you mean? 
It don't take Stevie Wonder to see I got on the right clothes in here. I need to get up in this club. Hell, I could buy every one of you. Now, I thought it was Morris Hayes as he continues to his search for Juice, who I think is maybe DJ Brother Jules. Okay. Yeah, they don't take Stevie Wonder to see I got the right clothes in here. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We don't allow people in with blue jeans. Right. I, I think that that is Morris Hayes, but oh, you tell me. It sounded like Prince to me, but if you told me it was Morris Hayes, I could have no reason to argue with you. All right, well, let's not argue. We'll just uh, move on to That's court right. in time. Court in time. The shortest of the songs that we're talking about today. By a lot. Yeah. Two minutes and 46 seconds of total length. That's right. The liner notes explicitly say, right back here in my arms was first, uh, but perhaps just first for this specific project, because Maite said this one dates back to 1992, just after they filmed the video for Seven. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But also in the liner notes... 407 bars later, the band stopped. Seven people died of cardiac arrest. Details at 11. <laughs> you said you like funny prints. I, I mean, this thing is prints. riddled with... <laughs> Ridiculousness? Uh, yes. yes. Silliness. Yes. I mean, this song is just short and harmless fun, especially when you think of Prince playing every instrument but the horns. Uh-huh. I think it's very, very, very cool. Um, obviously... Directed at Maite, I would think. I would think, yeah. It's got a very Funkabilly retro feel. He uses these silly phrases. I've been holding back a good deal longer than I should have oughta. Yeah. I've been holding back a good deal longer than I should have oughta. Yeah, like a fun baritone delivery there too. And this kind of doo-wop bass going on in the background. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, sexist and antiquated, this idea of courting. But it's still, like, super charming. Put your shopping shoes on, honey. The only one I want deserves the best, the very best that I can do. But on your shopping shoes, honey, it's courting time. Yes, it is. Like, it suggests that she can be bought, but it also suggests this, like, really fun afternoon well yeah or also like you're gonna want to look good for this because i'm gonna show you a good time yeah kind of thing that very part was my i don't know biggest realization on these group of six songs that we're covering today at a minute and 12 seconds when he says put on your shopping shoes honey in the background, he's got this doo-woppy kind of, put on a shop of shoes, honey. Uh-huh. And I had never heard that oh. before until listening to this back to back to back to back. And I was like, holy crap, I've never heard that before. Oh. And it's so fun. It is fun. It gives us a very, very retro feel. It's adorable. Yeah. I mean, this is all sung in his you know non-falsetto voice, although there are hits of it. At a minute and 30 seconds when he says, with no regrets, the joy I get from knowing that you're mine. When he sings mm-hmm. joy, it kind of jumps up, you know, to uh-huh. a higher level there. And it's it's pretty cute, too. With no regrets, the joy I get from knowing that you're mine. A thousand times and, a, and a laugh I had never heard either after he says, the joy I get from knowing that you're mine. At a minute and 33 seconds, there's a little laugh, like a... Aside laughter. Oh, yeah. Well, and he says a thousand times the victor. A thousand times the victor. I 
Like it should be gross that she's like a prize, but it's still maybe because it's court in time and she's chosen him. Yes, to, he got he's proven himself worthy. He's, he's allowed to woo her. That's right. It's not Marion time where <laughs> she's like property. It's, it's not claiming time. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I'm like, it's a little sexist and a little antiquated, but somehow it's mm. still. Super, super fun and more, I think, just more retro than sexist, really. Not that old yeah. things can't be. Yeah, but it's like a sock hop kind of, yeah. a Prince sock hop thing, like right. narrated by, what's his name, Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> the, short, Attenborough the, so. the short angelic man fluffs up his feathers. <laughs> David Attenborough uh, narrating the uh, mating habits of... Exactly. Yes. The sprite in the turtleneck shirt (laughs) spots the object of his attraction. (laughs) Uh, And a fun kind of almost tongue-in-cheeking ending, too, at two minutes and 45 seconds. It kind of ends. There's a little horn, and it's done. Come on and get some, baby. It's going time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like this song, it's over before you know it. And if you do like it, it's adorable and super fun. Yeah, I mean, that's why I like it. Because it's adorable, super fun, harmless. Yeah. The background vocals and him layering vocals and unique ways. And just a bass line that's like... Uh It's it's simple and fun. Uh And is like the opposite of like... Opposite of the literalness of having the cover of your album named Emancipation with your fists and chains breaking, breaking chains, off of them. Right. Yeah. Breath of Fresh Air is how I label Court in Time. For sure. Then we have the first single from Emancipation, Betcha by Golly Wow. The first cover that Prince ever put on an album. Yeah. So it's often said it's the stylistics. Yeah song from 1971 and that's usually how it's listed it's been covered over 35 times notable covers include johnny mathis dion warwick and the sugar babes sugar babes uh-huh but the stylistics version was also a cover yep. of connie stevens song from 1970 but it was released as keep growing strong I think it's keep going strong. No, it is not. (laughs) (laughs) Up yours, you stupid, (laughs) stupid little man. I know that Prince Vault says keep going strong. Okay. But I am quite sure it is keep growing strong. I didn't even notice that because I looked up and listened to Connie Stevens. sing that song and did not even realize that that is how it's listed let's keep this podcast growing strong <laughs> the liner notes. so does she sing it that way does she sing keep, oh, gro- keep growing strong yes okay i'm quite sure because either i guess could be right because the lyric is what is it always all my love for you keep growing strong keep going strong Yes, we have found a correction for Prince Vault to fix. Well, let's keep growing. Uh Uh-huh. Let's see. So the liner notes say, 
maybe the prettiest melody ever written. And then all one word, many a cherry burst. Yes. And I remember that thinking Prince had hashtags figured out before there was such a thing as hashtags. That's right. And this is the one I always think of. Many a cherry drops, which Burst. is bursts, so, which is like the a really great description uh-huh. of the song with also a little bit of sexual innuendo also. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. It's got a very retro 70s vibe, very clear horns, yep. a lot of shimmering sorts of sounds. Yeah. And this- it's the NPG from 1991-92 that's mm-hmm. here playing. Yeah. I mean, this was a hit when Prince was a young teen. Yeah. So it makes sense that this would be a song that really resonated with him. He does a lot of uh, inflections to bring his own personality to the song that he did not write. Yeah. He, I also read not on Prince Vault, but on Wikipedia. Uh huh. You know, the source of truth in the world. <laughs> Prince had stated that he always wanted to release his own version of this, but Warner Brothers Records had not permitted it. Huh. So, that's where the truth lies, it seems like Warner Brothers would be like, You want to record a song that's already a hit and you have the vocal range to do it? Yeah. Go for it. What, what, what do they Dion care? Dion Warwick could get permission, but. I don't know. Johnny maybe, Mathis maybe, could get permission, but Prince couldn't. Maybe you had to have a side hustle as a fortune teller to be able to record <laughs> this song. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. Uh, there's very fun backup. Wow. wow. In the chorus. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought were a little fun. It's kind of schmaltzy. Very it, saccharine, very oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, but I think a lot of uh, discussion about Prince's vocal ability and vocal range point to like the mid to late 90s as his peak of, I mean, he could always sing, but this song is a great example as sappy and saccharine as it is. Great example of hitting super high notes and that low speaking voice too. Uh-huh. It does have a lot of that. Yes. Um, there's a little, fa- he says falling star, mm-hmm. and there's a little shimmery falling star yeah, it's sound like, effect that's yes. very fun. There's that, and also the, like the falling notes of his voice, too. Like even how he sings falling, uh-huh. it has this vibrato, like descending sound to it mm-hmm. that's really great. Yeah. There's a little Prince scream along with lyrics. He does things to really kind of own the song. And, you know, I'm listening to this and I'm two minutes in like, this is delightful. Why did I think I didn't like this song? Because I always kind of remembered not loving this song. And then at two minutes and 29 seconds, we get to the spoken interlude and I'm reminded of the part that I don't love. Oh no. (laughs) I don't love his little spoken interview interlude where he says the words of another work out fine. Well, no, no, no. I don't think that's what he's trying to say. Okay. He says, 
Baby, sometimes a man can't find words to express all the things he feels inside, but every just so often the words of another who's truly in love seem to work out fine. I mean, he's covering a song. Baby, sometimes a man can't find words to express all the things he feels inside. But every just so often the words of another truly in love seem to work out fine. I know, for but my I, taste, I, so he's like, even though I didn't write this for you, it's someone else's words, but it better expresses how I feel for you than, it's not like he hasn't tried or written her plenty of songs that we'll get to over the next 48 weeks probably right. on this album. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of a neat nod to, this isn't mine, but if I could have written it i would have but the, these people beat me to it oh okay well i don't, I, I don't seem to have made a very good argument for well it. i mean your argument is fine but i didn't love the acknowledgement that it's a cover and i also feel like that it works out fine it's not the effusive sort of language that i would want i i felt like a little bit for my tay Fine was often kind of the the words that came about. So like, you know, Sh- Child of the Sun, there are a number of songs on there yeah, that had right. already been sung by other people, but it's fine. You can cover it. It's fine. Well, in Prince's defense, her vocal ability was just fine. Oh, well, also. and that's it's totally understandable. But I you think know, in this for case, somebody it's like... who's always had this like over-the-top sort of romanticism, big gestures, the use of the word fine just feels so like well, he wasn't definitive. He wasn't definitive about it either. He said that they seemed to work out fine. <laughs> so it might not even work for all he knows, Christy. Well, you know what? It did not work for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this little interlude, spoken interlude, I could have done without it. And I found myself, like, when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh, oh, like, it finally hit me. Like, he's acknowledging these aren't my words, but... I feel the sentiment very yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I just, I also was struck by, they. it seems to work, seem to work out fine describing like the words of someone else. But then you think of how the stresses on their marriage and what happened with their child, which created all this strain and almost like uh, the inability to reconcile with what has just happened and almost an unacceptance of it or the way they accepted it and made it public knowledge that this child was happening. And then they spoke about their child as if, he was still alive and was part of their life and right. he was going to have a better childhood that, you know, was very undefined. Yeah. So this kind well. of kicked off that, especially with the video of this, which Maite's in and they're in a hospital and, you know, all, the perception of what was real and uh-huh. what had really happened is, you know, that's the opposite of chains on your wrist on the front of emancipation. Here is a conjured story. Right. That's mm. that I associate with this song. So I think that's the part that finds that I find the most sad, not the label of fine, but that, you know, <laughs> what what would transpire after it. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was hard to deny that he wasn't sincere, even though the song wasn't his. Right. Well, and I see, and I didn't get 
when he's singing it, any sort of insincerity. So I didn't need that bit. Okay. It felt sincere as he was singing it. So I don't need you to tell me I'm really sincere about this, even though I didn't write it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I sincerely regret to inform all of you that we've reached the end of this episode and we have agreed to break from... all the chains that have bound us in That's previous right. episodes. We're emancipating ourselves from right. our own rules. Picture a couple of white people <laughs> on an orange background breaking away from the chains that bind them, which require them to make selections that include a time capsule, the thing that kind of uh, is fitting of the time, a sea, the lowest part of what we've listened to, and a mountain, the high point of what we've listened to. We thought... It's not fair to do that to half of a disc, so we're going to cover disc two. That's right. And then render our judgments on the entire disc rather than just half of them. That is perfectly fine. Now, I understand that we have done half discs previously and rendered our judgments thusly, but, uh, you know, it's our podcast. (laughs) We can make the rules and break them if we want. Break the rules, break the rules, emancipation. That's right. Yeah, what was, there's a Prince song. Emancipation. Make the, make the rules and break them all because you are the best. Cream. Cream. Is that a first one second challenge? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that reminds me here at the end, I'm going to remind you to send in your one second challenge suggestions. I'm going to do 20 songs. I've only gotten a few suggestions in thus far. So do send them in. If we get way, way more than we can ever do, we might do more than one, you know, later in uh, 2023. So do send them in right away. And we really thank you for listening. We know that you make a choice. We don't come on the radio. If you have a purple friend who you have not yet told about us, please share the podcast with them because it's way more fun when you listen with a friend. And until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks for sticking with us through emancipation. So the song opens with the door opening, mm-hmm. sim- simmering shimble. I knew it was going to do it. <laughs> Simmering shimbles. <laughs> she really had vaccinated for that. <laughs> Not until he turned 50. Time. Right. Yeah. But as that outro star, excuse me. <laughs> and I'm not as big of a D'Angelo album to even tell you the last time I listened to. Your to big D'Angelo, D'Angelo album? Uh, I said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big D'Angelo follower, so I couldn't right. tell you 